friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. to go to the Word of God, I'd like all of us to please rise, please, from our seats, and we will be reading James chapter 1 and verses 5 to 8. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Shall we bow our heads in prayer at this time? Our Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks and praise for this wonderful morning, O God. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of uncertainty in Mindanao, O God, we can still look to you and trust, Lord, that in your sovereignty, you are accomplishing your good purposes. And Lord, we come before you in a very humble way. We ask, Lord, that your blessing be upon each and every one of us. I pray for myself, O God. I pray that I might be able to speak to your people clearly Allow me to have thoughts that are clear, and as I speak, Lord, may you accompany the words that I will share with your power so that it might change us, it might encourage us, it might inspire us, it might generate faith. And Lord, we trust, Lord, that whatever purposes you have laid aside for us as a church and as individuals, you will accomplish that this morning. And Lord, whatever is going to be achieved today, we will be very careful to give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. I've entitled this morning's sermon, Right Asking Equals Wisdom. Now, one of the basic things that happens in the midst of a storm or a trial is confusion. Obviously, we want answers to some of the questions that run through our minds whenever we face these dark times. And yesterday, actually, I was talking to one dear sister, actually a couple, and they were telling us the situation in Marawi City because they happened to have a business there. And you and I know the situation there. Uh, there is a group of terrorists who have tried to take over that particular city. And so there is an ongoing battle right now. There's a war taking place in that area. And of course, in the mind of this dear sister with the business that they have, she is probably asking God, Lord, what should I do? Should I continue with my business? Should I stop it? And obviously, right now, she is at a loss. 
And I'm thinking about our other uh, Filipino uh, members. They might have the same thoughts in their minds. They might have those anxieties. They might have those frustrations. They might, might have those worries in their hearts. And obviously, there are many, many questions running through their minds. And then if we think about our own life situation, it is possible that we are also going through a period of darkness right now. And once again, what normally happens is confusion. And so I hope that this message this morning would somehow encourage you and inspire you. Because this passage encourages us to ask for wisdom whenever you and I are in the eye of a storm. That is what God requires of us. That is what God is asking us to do. We need to ask Him wisdom. As we ask, however, we need to be mindful that when we ask, we have to ask in the right way. Because it is possible for us to ask in the wrong way. Now, I'd like to share to you the two major points in this passage. By the way, this is just part one of our study. We will not be able to handle everything this morning. So we will just be dealing with the first part. But I'd like to give you the whole flow of this two-part series. And there are two major points, actually, that you will see in James 1, 5 to 8. So let me begin with the first point over here. Verse 5 tells us that we need to ask God for wisdom in the midst of the storm. And then we have two sub-points under that. The first sub-point would be the dependable character of God. We can trust God. And whatever He asks of us, we know that He would be able to fulfill that. And then we are told here the certainty of His answer. So if we pray, we are assured that God would answer our prayers. Now, the second point, let's show it on the other side. Verse 6 deals with asking God in faith. So it's not enough that you ask God. You need to ask Him in faith. You need to ask Him believing that He will answer your prayer. Now under that, we have two sub-points as well. First of all, in verse 6 and 8, we see the undependable character of the doubting man. So if you are asking God for something, it would be wrong for you to doubt. You have to have faith. Otherwise, being a double-minded person, don't expect anything from God. And that is where we see the second point, the uncertainty of God's answer. When you doubt God, don't expect that you will receive an answer to your prayer. So we will just be dealing with this first part for this morning. And then the second part, we will be dealing with that next Sunday. So let's begin with the first point right now, which is asking God for wisdom in the midst of the storm. Now here's what it says here in verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Now just a little review. We saw in our previous sermon that when you and I encounter trials, we should have a mindset of joy. 
Bible says, consider it pure joy when you encounter various trials. Now, when you and I respond in joy in the midst of our trials, the result of that would be endurance. We would have this spiritual stamina to be able to overcome whatever difficulties we have. And if we continue in that particular lifestyle, endurance would cascade eventually into spiritual maturity. And obviously, that is what we want to happen to us. That is what we would like to happen to our spouses and to our children. And that is why we should actually welcome trials in our lives because they are the tools that God uses to mature us. Now, of course, I'd like to be able to say, however, that there may be times there seems to be a greater reason or more reasons for our trials other than endurance and spiritual maturity. And it is in this that we are actually asking God for some answers. Now, if such is the case, then we should ask God for wisdom when there is a lot of confusion in our minds. By wisdom, James is not only talking about knowledge, but we, what he is talking about here is actually the ability to make wise decisions in difficult circumstances. And obviously, this is something that we need in life because we are confronted with a lot of decisions to make in life. Right now, for example, in Marawi City, people are faced with a lot of decisions to make. Do they go back to Marawi? Do they stay in Marawi? Or do they transfer to another place? These are things that, that we would like to have answers to. And some of us, although we are not really near where the war is taking place, we know that we would likewise be affected. And probably right now, some of us are thinking in terms of the economy, we're thinking in terms of the political situation, or what impact this would have in terms of foreign investment. And so there are a lot of things that are going through our minds right now. And maybe indirectly, some of us are already being affected by the situation in Mindanao. And so the question, of course, is, well, what do I do? What choices do I have? And obviously, since you and I do not know the future, we cannot boast about tomorrow. And because we cannot boast about tomorrow and know exactly how things will pan out tomorrow, we need the wisdom of God. And we need some answers. And here we find God's goodness in that He tells us during those times that you're confused, you need to be asking God for wisdom. And that is exactly what James exhorts us to do. Now, when we ask God for wisdom, we can be assured that God will give it. We are assured that God will give it. And the question is why? Why do we have that assurance? Well, because in this verse, we find the dependable character of God. The Bible says, who gives? God gives to all generously and without reproach. Again, the Bible says, He gives to all generously and without reproach. 
So under this, what we are really talking about is that the God that we have is a generous God who gives to all. Now, when we speak about all, we're talking, of course, about believers. And so we have this assurance, if you have made Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you have this assurance that your God is a generous God. Now, the Greek construction here actually should be translated more accurately or more literally, the giving God. That is who our God is. So could you please say this with me, the giving God. All right? So assistance is readily available from the giving God. That is the character of our God. So we can expect an answer because we have a God who is a giver. Now this teaches us that God gives, in fact, as Ephesians states, He gives over beyond what we ask or even think of. And sometimes I do a hyperbole in this when I say that when you ask God for a glass of water, is going to give you a swimming pool. I mean, that is how generous God is. God is able to give us over above beyond what we ask or even think of. And so there should be no hesitation, no tentativeness on our part when we are asking God because He is just so ready to give to us His children. In fact, when you and I talk about common grace, the grace of God does not only appear with those who believe in Him, but the grace of God likewise appears even to those who are in rebellion against Him. That's why in the book of Matthew, it says here, that God makes the sun to shine both on the righteous and the unrighteous. He makes the rain fall on both the wicked and those who are righteous. That's common grace. And I recall what John Piper said one time when he woke up in the morning. He was looking out outside of his window and he was seeing the sun shining. And being a very passionate and animated person... He cried out to God and he said, God, you did it again. You did it again. And so his wife was asking, what did God do again? Well, he said, well, God made the sun shine on all people. And he was talking about both the righteous and the unrighteous. God makes his common grace felt by all people. Now, if that is true, of all men, if that is true of all mankind, of course, you and I as believers in Christ can expect so much more from our God because we have come under His care. We are His sheep, amen? And He is our good shepherd, amen? And He makes us lie down in green pastures. He makes us stay beside still waters. That is who our shepherd is. And that is why we find great encouragement here. Because the truth of the matter is, when we are hit by storms, when we are hit by trials, we're actually dumbfounded. We don't know what to do. We're confused. We're in fear at times. We're in anxiety. 
And so we would like to be able to be supplied with some answers. And I'd like to tell you that whenever we need wisdom, we can pray to God and He will give generously what you and I need. He will supply what we need. Christians, let me tell you this. You do not need to grope in the dark. You do not need to guess what is on the mind of God, hoping to stumble upon some answers. We can ask God's wisdom to guide our choices. And sometimes one of the things that I really wonder is why Christians are not praying enough. You know, yesterday we had our congregational prayer and fasting. And I would like to say that I was not really that satisfied with our attendance in our congregational prayer and fasting. Because if there's something that I am so big and so huge about, it is the matter of prayer. Because I know that's where the power comes from. And you and I need to understand that we are in a situation which is quite critical. We are in a situation wherein our president has declared martial law. And there are some who are debating about this, whether this is needful. But there are a lot of people who say, most especially those in Mindanao, who say that they would like to have martial law in Mindanao because they feel a lot safer. So we will not argue about those points. But my point simply is that you and I are in a situation Wherein there is so much uncertainty. There are threats from without and there are threats from within. And the question is, as believers in Christ, how do we respond in this situation? And sometimes I feel that many believers in Christ are apathetic and they are so indifferent and they're so passive about the situation. And we simply want to rant on our Facebook pages, and yet we're not found doing what we Christians are supposed to be doing, and that is praying. The very first thing that you and I need to be doing as believers in Christ right now in this situation is to pray. And yet, to my frustration, very few people appeared at the prayer mountain. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, that prayer is powerful. And a lot of times, this is something we always underestimate because sometimes we're thinking, well, what could prayer possibly do? Well, let me tell you a lot. It is in prayer that God extends His power and favor. And that is why we need to see that as something that should be part of our lives because friends, if we do not respond and react in prayer, sometimes it might be too late for us. Let me tell you what happened in the book of Joel chapter 2. The prophet Joel called upon the nation of Israel, particularly the southern kingdom. Because by that time, the northern kingdom had been exiled in Assyria. So that prophecy that Joel was making was addressed specifically to the southern kingdom. And therein was a prophecy that there was this mighty army that was going to come upon the southern kingdom. And the call of Joel at that time is for all the priests and all the other elders and all the people 
including the nursing infants, to come in prayer and fasting. Now, of course, that was an exaggeration on the part of Joel to call nursing infants to a congregational prayer and fasting. But then again, the whole point of Joel was there is, there is this sense of urgency. We need to be praying. We need to be asking God. We need to be rending our hearts, not our garments, Joel was saying. And he was saying even to those who just recently got married, stop the honeymoon. I'm using a paraphrase, of course. He was saying, stop the honeymoon. It's not the time now to have a honeymoon. This is a time for you to pray. This is a time for you to blow a trumpet in Zion. This is a time for you to come and fast and pray and gather as an assembly, as a congregation, and humble yourself before God. That was the cry of Joel. Because in this vision, he was prophesying of a coming army. And there could have been multiple fulfillments here. We could be talking about the Assyrian invasion here. We could be talking about the Babylonian invasion here. We can even be talking about a future invasion in the future. But then again, the point really is when you are faced with a national situation which is so critical, the believers should be able to respond in prayer. And so here's what happened. Assyria finally invaded after so many years. That prophecy became fulfilled. And so Assyria was able to take the northern kingdom into exile. They went to the southern kingdom. They were attacking the cities of the southern kingdom. And they were conquering them. And finally, they were surrounding the, the city of Jerusalem. And at that time, King Hezekiah realized, what can I possibly do? We cannot fight against this mighty army. They were hundreds of thousands. And we cannot even imagine how huge that army must have been. And so Hezekiah, in fear, called upon the people to pray to the Lord. And that is exactly what they did. They cried to the Lord. Hezekiah went before the temple and he said, Lord, what can we do against this mighty army? The Assyrian Empire, by the way, at that time was the greatest empire of that time. They were at the zenith of their success, their prosperity, and their power. So how can you possibly defeat an enemy as that? But then again, here is where Hezekiah understood that the invisible is even more powerful than what we see. And guess how God answered that prayer? In Isaiah 37, if I'm not mistaken, we are told the story of how God answered the prayer of Hezekiah. 185,000 were slain by the angel of God. Hezekiah did not even need to lift a finger. He did, not, he did not even need to send an army. 185,000 died on the spot. When some of the surviving soldiers woke up, they woke up to a mass grave. 
I mean, we cannot even imagine 185,000 people dead. I don't know if the whole of Banawa can contain 185,000 dead people. That was such a huge army. But that was how God answered that prayer. And then what happened was the king of Assyria, his two sons, killed him. And that began the end of this powerful empire. What am I saying here? I'm saying, brothers and sisters, that when you and I encounter difficulties, trials, and storms in our lives, there are many questions running through our minds. And we would like to be able to, to let our voices be heard in so far as what we think is right and what should be done. But as believers in Christ, our very first instinct should be to come to God in prayer. God is calling us to a sense of urgency and we need to be passionate about prayer. We need to be passionate about the goodness and the power of God that is available to us believers in Christ. And we need to do the right thing. And herein we are told we need to ask, who is our God after all? The Greek word here for God means the one supreme supernatural being as creator and sustainer of the universe. Let me repeat that once again. He is the one supreme supernatural being as creator and sustainer of the universe. You know what, brothers and sisters? You want to talk about the greatest factor in this entire universe? The one that really matters at the end of the day? It's God. It is God who is the major factor in everything that happens in this world. In everything that happens in this country. In everything that happens in your life. The main factor is God himself. And yet sometimes we have put God on the sidelines. He is not even part of our discussion. He has not been given his due place. And by the way, friends, the interesting part here. If you go to Joel chapter 2. The prophet Joel calls the Assyrian army the Lord's army. Now some of us would think, well, that's strange. Why would God even call the Assyrian army his army? Isn't Israel his chosen nation? Isn't Israel God's chosen people? Why in the world would God call the enemies of his chosen people as his army. Think about that. Why? Because God is sovereign. Everything that happens, happens because either God ordains it or God permits it. And there is always a purpose why God allows certain things. In the case 
of Israel, in the case of the southern kingdom, God actually raised up the Assyrian army. Why? To chastise and discipline his belligerent and stubborn people. That's why. Because they were not listening. The northern kingdom had already been brought into exile. And yet, the southern kingdom wasn't paying attention. God was really telling to the southern kingdom, look at what I am doing to the northern kingdom. Look at what I did. Pay attention. Humble yourself. Seek my face. Stop worshiping other gods. But you see, the southern kingdom wasn't paying any attention at all. Everything around them was going the wrong way. Everything around them was chaotic. And yet, they were still not listening. They were still not paying attention. They were still not asking God, why is this happening? We need to ask. Again, the Lord's army. It was the Lord's army because it was fulfilling the Lord's purpose, which was to chastise and discipline the southern kingdom. Could it be, my brothers and sisters, is God, could it be that God is waking us up from our own spiritual apathy? Could it be that God is waking us up from our spiritual slumber? Could it be that God is waking us up for our lack of compassion? Our lack of, of desire for, for souls to come to Christ? Could it be that God is grabbing our attention right now so that we might be more proactive? And that you and I might fulfill the purposes of God to make His name known. To make His gospel known. That this land may know who the real God is. Friends, we are not praying to a dead God. We are praying to a God who is alive and who Himself created and sustains the universe. One of my favorite Christian commercials, uh, which was taken from a Christian program, went something like this. It, this commercial was actually lifted from the story of Exodus. If you recall, God threatened Egypt that if they did not let the people of Israel go, He would kill all of their firstborn sons. And so that commercial was inspired with that story. In that commercial, Pharaoh was carrying his dead son. And he went before this, this image, the idol, which represented his God. And he was crying out with, 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 with his son... In his arms, he was crying out to this God of his, to this idol of his, and was saying, bring back my son to life. Let him come back to life. And yet there was no answer. And he began to talk to this idol and said, can you 
not hear me? Can you not see me? And the answer, of course, is no. He cannot see you and he cannot hear you because he is not a God. But that is not true of our God. Our God is alive. Amen. He is the one and only true living God. That is who we are serving. And we are blessed above all men that we are not worshiping a false God, but the one and only true living God. The one who owns this universe. The one who created this universe. The one who created you. And he is almighty and all powerful. And even just with a word. He can create something out of nothing. Have we forgotten the power of our God? Have we forgotten the might of our God? Have we forgotten that the God that we serve. Is a wonder working miracle worker. And that there is nothing impossible and difficult with him. And therefore that being the case. Shouldn't we ask boldly. With confidence. That our prayers would be answered. It also says here. That when he gives he gives without reproach. What that means is he will not give grudgingly. And some of you are thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, the New Bible commentary shares something very, I would say, very graphic so that we would be able to understand what this means. The New Bible commentary goes like this. It says, nor is God's generosity hemmed in by a critical spirit. It goes on further by saying that when we pray to God, God will not say to us, what? You again? What did you do with what I gave you last time? Far from having that attitude, God simply gives to all who ask time after time after time. God does not get tired and weary. With our prayers. Now you might say there are millions of people in the world. Doesn't God get tired of that? Doesn't God get tired when you ask over and over and over again. Time and time and time again. Let me just tell you. God delights in you asking him every day. You know how I know? Because he taught us to pray this way. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. You know what that means? Our prayer today is good only for today. And what do you think that means? What is the implication of that? The implication of that is God wants you praying every single day of your life. He delights in that. He enjoys that. When you come before Him, you ask. In the same way that the father delights in his children asking from him. He's so willing and so generous. That's who our God is and, and so much more. Because our God is a perfect father. 
Bible says if we being evil give good gifts to our children, how much more our heavenly father, amen? He would want to give us good things. So why hesitate? Why not pray? When prayer is so available to us because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we now can enter boldly in the throne of God's grace. That was not true in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the priests did not have the boldness. They were always in trepidation, in fear. They might die if they did something wrong inside the Holy of Holies. Not the case with us. The book of Hebrews says, enter boldly into the throne of grace. That's what we need to do. We need to be praying. We need to be asking him. Because God delights. Because he's a generous God. Amen. He is a God of love. He is a God of mercy. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. Know who your God is. Know him. This verse therefore teaches us that God will not provide wisdom grudgingly. God is more than willing to give it to us. Notice the result here when we ask God for wisdom. It says, and it will be given to him. He doesn't say, and it might be given to you. There's a possibility. 50-50. No, that's not what it's saying here, right? What is it saying? It will be. That's a certainty. And so, which brings us to the second some point, the certainty of God's answer. It will be given to him. This verse assures us of the certainty of God's answer. I recall a story in contrast. A man who happened to be the mayor in a suburb in Tokyo. This is what he did. Listen well because you need to catch the story. On January 8, 1970, Enju Utake, age 68, opened a bank account. Listen well. Payable. In a thousand years. Okay. The article declared that Enju Utake, the mayor of Hachioji, a suburb of Tokyo, had deposited how much? A thousand yen. How much is that? That's $28. So, how much is that in pesos? 500? I'm not good in math. Anyway, do the math. He deposited 1,000 yen, about $28, in a local bank so that his direct descendants could collect a fortune on New Year's Day in the year 2970. Did you catch that? So that they could collect in the year 2970. Let me ask you this question. Is that being generous? In the first place, how sure was he that by 2970, he would still have descendants? How sure is he that in 2970, the bank 
that he deposited money in would not collapse. So was he being generous? No, he was not being generous. But this is not who our God is. Amen? This is the complete opposite of who God is. He wants to give to his children every single day. Amen? That is who our God is. And that is why the call for us is to enter in confidence. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. By the way, this is one of the clearest promises of God in Scripture. And one principle in prayer is that if we pray according to God's will, He hears our prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, please. It goes, this is the confidence which we have before Him. Say confidence, please. Say it out loud. Confidence. Say to your neighbor, be confident. You don't sound confident. Say it with confidence. Say, be confident. All right, still not convinced. But we have to move on. It says, this is the confidence which we have before Him. What's the confidence? That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. That we can be confident in. That if we ask according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from Him. So here's the thing. The most important thing for us to have confidence is, first of all, find out the will of God. When you know the will of God and you ask Him, here's the assurance. He will hear you. And if He hears you, what else, what other assurance do you get? He will give you, He will grant you whatever you request. That's the God that we serve. One of the major reasons why we have so many answer, unanswered prayers rather, is because we are not even praying at all. Doesn't the book of James say that? The book of James says we receive not because we ask not. If God could just talk to us and many times we come to God and complain, Lord, why is this happening? If God could just talk back to us, He would probably say, well, did you ever pray to me? Did you ever seek my face? Did you ever seek my counsel? Did you ever ask for my wisdom? And I think many of us would blush in shame. We will be red on our faces for the simple reason that we're not really praying. We're not seeking His face. Now, praying for wisdom in the midst of our trials is definitely the will of God. And we are assured that if we pray for wisdom, He will most definitely give it to us. He will speak to us because our God is a communicating God. Look at John chapter 10, please. Verse 2 to 4. It says, but he who answers by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. 
and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They know his voice. My sheep hear my voice. And the question some would ask is, well, how, how can Jesus speak to me today? He's not here. He ascended on high. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not here physically with us. So how does, how does Jesus communicate to us? Well, very simple. The Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 13, 1 and 2. Let me just give you a little example. Acts 13, 1 and 2 reads, Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So for practical purposes, if you're asking the question, well, all right, I'm going to ask God for wisdom. I'm confused in the midst of my trial. I don't know what to do. I don't know what choices I have, what decisions I have to make. So, all right, I'm going to ask, how then will I receive his wisdom and his counsel? Again, through the Holy Spirit. And the question, of course, is how does the Holy Spirit speak? Well, he can speak to us with impressions. He can speak to us through circumstances. Although the way we interpret whether it is the will of God is this, it should always be in alignment to the scriptures. Because anything that is outside the Bible cannot be the will of God. And by the way, if you are wanting the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, you really need to study the Word of God. You need to meditate on the Word of God. You need to dig deep into the Word of God. You need to immerse yourself in the Word of God, ponder on it, meditate on it. In fact, if it is possible for you, memorize the Scriptures. Memorize portions, memorize verses. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can only use what you are studying. The Holy Spirit can only bring back to your memory what you have reflected on, what you have studied, what you have read, what you have meditated on. That is why let me encourage you, if you want wisdom from the Holy Spirit, dig deep into God's Word. Study it. Ponder on it. Meditate on it. Don't speed read through it. Read slowly. Observe. Pay attention to details. Listen. And he will speak to you. And guess what that brings on the table? When you hear from God, you enter into a life of rest. Amen? You become rested. And you become refreshed. You become like David who said, a thousand may fall on my side. But David was still confident. And that is how it is for us.
That's how you and I can live a rested life. That's how you and I get rid of worry and anxiety in our lives. That's how we get rid of frustration and depression. That's how we get out of the rut. That's how we remove confusion from our minds and then we, we begin to think clearly. We understand clearly. We, we, we have a bird's eye view of everything. We see everything from, from God's perspective. We see the big picture. More than, more than that, we see God in the middle of our situation. God is here. God is in my trial. God is in my difficulty. God is in the storm. God is in this crisis. You see God. And when you see God holding your hand, guiding you, keeping in step with you, you lose that fear. And you lose that confusion. And you begin to have peace in your heart. And you begin to be calm. And you will radiate with joy and with peace. And when people see that, that's attractive. The beauty within is so attractive, they will begin to ask questions. What's your secret? Why are you at peace? And friends, that will be the time. When you and I can share the greater beauty of our Lord, Master, and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we can give Him the glory. So let me end. The bottom line is clear. When confused in the midst of our trials, we need to ask God for His wisdom, His guidance. And we know that we have the ear of God because this is His will. Let's bow our heads in prayer right now. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank You, Lord. Lord, right now we, we remember what's happening in Mindanao and we do not want to stay unaffected by what's happening there because many people are losing their lives. Many people are losing their homes and their businesses. And Lord, we know that if this is not addressed, this might gain support from terrorists. And before we know it, we might be waking up to a nightmare and so, Lord, we pray for our soldiers. We pray for them as they are trying to keep our country safe. Some of them have already lost their lives. We want to be able to appreciate them. And we want to be able to uphold them. Lord, they have families. They have, they, some of them are married and some of them have little children. We pray, Father, as they keep our country safe, that you will take care of them. That your guardian angels will be with them. We pray even that these terrorists will wake up to the fact that this is really foolishness.
and that they might surrender, hopefully even surrender to you and make you their personal Lord and Savior. We pray, Lord, for our government right now. You are the one who rules and reigns. You are the one who removes kings and puts kings. And Lord, in your wisdom, which many of us might not understand, Lord, you are in control. And we pray this, that you might, in your sovereign purposes, achieve what you desire. Lord, if this is a wake-up call to us believers that we should be praying more, that we should be sharing the gospel more, if this is a wake-up call for us to get our acts straight, so let it be, O oh Father. Now, one thing we ask, Lord, do not allow us to be indifferent simply because we're not affected because we're far. Lord, help us to have compassion, to weep with those who weep and to to laugh with those who laugh. We remember our Christian brothers and sisters in Mindanao. Some of them we know very close to the area where there's fighting right now. Some of our brothers are in Iligan. Some of them are in General Santa City. Some of them are in Davao, some of them are in Cagayan de Oro. And Lord, we just want to pray for them at this time. May you use this time, Lord, to, to really build an army of prayer warriors. And even with us from afar, Lord, may we just really become part of the solution and prayer is powerful you are a mighty God you are a powerful God why is it that we're not praying why is it that very few of us turn to you and seek your face and ask your wisdom and ask your power Lord I pray for the spirit of repentance even upon us here and living word Lord forgive us Lord for not being prayerful enough for not praying and interceding enough or change our hearts and make us see things from your perspective Lord you're doing something nothing happens Lord by accident there's always a purpose in everything whether we see it as good or bad it doesn't matter Lord if you permitted it if you allowed it if you ordained it then there has to be a good purpose and so we submit ourselves to you in humility Lord we do lack wisdom all of us do so we humble ourselves before you and we ask that in your grace and mercies you might help us Thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for the book of James. Thank you for your word. 
And thank you also that we could give our tithes, our grace gifts, and our offerings, Lord. And may we really be faithful in our stewardship because the work of God is ever expanding. The work never goes smaller, but it becomes bigger. And may we participate, all of us, in your work. And may we humbly ask you, Lord, to bless us, not because we're greedy and covetous, but Lord, because we desire to bless your name and extend your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.